It was greeted with a, a, a sense of, as I said, shock and disbelief that this could have happened. And a sense of loss as well, of course, naturally enough, and sadness. I'll never forget it, you know, the whole thing was incredible. Like, it was still in your minds, like, here was your, one of your best pals gone. I was expecting to see a roadblock or something at the post office in the main street in there, but I drove right up to the scene. We were um, quite shocked initially, and the details are always vague in the initial stages of something of this nature. It's ten years since the moment that Limerick and Ireland was shocked and horrified by the shooting dead of Detective Garda Jerry McCabe and the wounding of his colleague Ben O'Sullivan. It's ten years since the moment Adair fell silent. Limerick Lives, a series of special documentaries examining issues affecting the people of Limerick City and County. He was on the early shift, as you know, and... um I said I might have a cup of tea and he said, well, I'm in a little bit of a rush. So he said, but I'll be back about 10 o'clock. And he never came back. That was the last conversation I had with him. I got a phone call from a friend of mine, Chris O'Neill. I don't know the time, roughly maybe about 7.30 or that. And um, he told me, did I hear anything about uh, two guards being injured in a dare? And I said, no, but I said, "Uh, I'll call you back. So I tried ringing Henry Street and I couldn't get through. And eventually there was a knock at the door. And uh, I thought it was my children's two friends, Michelle and Frank, because they were doing their junior cert and leaving cert. And um, I kind of said, take your time when they rang the doorbell. So I opened the door myself anyway. And um, it was Inspector John Kearns was at the door. Now, I didn't know him. And it didn't even dawn on me that it was anything got to do with with Jerry and Ben and he just asked me my name and I told him and he said who's with you in the house and I said uh, Stacy and Ross and he I know the colour was kind of gone from his face he was very pale looking but I still didn't look so he said uh, well he said I have a bit of bad news and I said is it Jerry and Ben and he said yes and um, they told me Jerry was dead the widow of Detective Garda Jerry McCabe, Anne McCabe. Kieran Clancy was a photographer with the Irish Examiner on the day of the shooting. I got a phone call early in the morning around half seven from a colleague who had heard there was a raid on a post office in Adair. At that stage we weren't aware there was any guard shot but we knew there was a serious raid. So on instinct I just got up, got into my car, drove to Adair straight away and tuned into the radio station but there was no news at that stage about any shooting or anyone being dead in fact. I was expecting to see a roadblock or something at the post office in the main street in Adair, but I drove right up to the scene unexpectedly to come across the, the jeep uh, behind the Garda car and the post office truck in front of that again all stopped in the main street. So I arrived up, I pulled in behind, a few yards behind the, the Garda car and um, there was a lot of activity going on and there was uh, not too many people around. Summer morning, it was quite early still. Um, <clears throat> the Garda car was still there and in fact, I remember the wipers were still in motion and um, there was some tape around the scene. And I got out of the car with my camera and looked around to see what, the, what actually had happened because I wasn't sure at that stage what exactly had happened. I wasn't even aware there was anyone shot or dead at that stage. And I met a, another guard on the scene and he said to me, you know, just be careful, don't take pictures of the car close up. And I said, why, what's the problem? And he said, well, Jerry is still in it. And I didn't know who, at that stage who Jerry was. And I said, Jerry who? And he said, Jerry McCabe. Senator Michael Brennan is a native of Adair. 
Well, my ordinary schedule at that time would be uh, up at 7 o'clock and down for work for have the place ready for 8 o'clock. And on that particular morning, we say it was my day off, but we say at about 5 to 7 on that particular morning, that's when the tragedy happened in Adair. The first we heard was on the radio, actually, uh, announcement, and then people started going downtown and people were very disturbed that such an action could be carried out at that particular time, we say, where people were coming to terms with a ceasefire in Ireland, but nothing could be further from the truth. What happened in Adair, people couldn't understand why it happened to this day. Joe Nash is Head of News and Current Affairs with Limerick's Live 95 FM. We were um, quite shocked initially and the details are always vague in the initial stages of something of this nature which is unfortunate in our business because you're trying to get it out there and you're trying to get accurate information. You're also very concerned about the fact, particularly if you're broadcasting directly to the area where family might be and that you don't want to alert them to too much. And that can sometimes happen by a loose detail. It doesn't have to be naming the individual involved. But if you say a Garda in Nimerick and if you say a Garda on early morning duty in Nimerick, then it doesn't take a huge amount of figuring out from there. So you're very conscious of that. And yet it's still uh, of enormous public interest that something of this nature would happen in a place as quiet as uh, as Adair. So I remember getting the call and getting up to Adair and it was <laughs> a scene as I've never seen before. To tell you the truth, it was just a blank after that because the house was full of people. Um, my other children were on their way to work. John was in Monaghan and he was on the same shift as Jerry, but he had an extra hour to spare that morning and he heard it on the radio. And Mark heard it on his way to Shannon and so did Ian. So that's the way we heard it. I got a call from John to say he was on the way down. He asked, he knew that um, Jerry was on at the same time as him and Ben, they had the same unit together. And uh, he rang Roxborough and he said, um, is it my dad? And they said, yes. So he came down from Manhattan then after that. All I wanted to do was see Jerry, you know, but it's just a kind of a blank after that. There was so much coming and going and um, it was a very good friend of Jerry's that had gone on holidays, Keith Lancaster and I just, I wanted to see, he was very close to, to Jerry and I just wanted to see him and he came back from Spain that night and um, after that I don't remember a whole lot. I just remember the house being full of people and um, somebody must have got his clothes for him and what haven't you, I didn't. Almost everyone who was in Limerick 10 years ago can remember the silence and the emotion at both the removal and the funeral of Detective Garda Jerry McCabe. Willie Keane was a superintendent with Angarda Siakana at the time. I recall the removal of uh, Jerry's remains from the funeral home. There was a huge crowd attended that. Uh, so much so that the remains didn't leave the funeral home until I'd say around 12 midnight or after 12 midnight and I took part in the funeral procession 
uh, down through the the, 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 the the quiet streets of Limerick. It was a most eerie uh, uh, sensation, I suppose, to be uh, marching after a hearse through the quiet streets of Limerick after 12 midnight, people standing in street corners, being quiet and respectful, and uh, going to the church on, on the Innes Road and the priest receiving the remains sometime in around 1am. And it was a most eerie, I suppose, and surreal situation. It was just the only time, part of it I remember is what the removal coming down by Henry Street and Henry Street Guard, the station was lit up and it stopped there. That's basically what I remember about it. After that, I don't. It was above in Thompson's and of course there were, you know, crowds upon crowds upon crowds for literally all day long. So I kind of, I busied myself trying to help out as best I could in that in that area, you know. And it was extremely difficult because... Um, you had different different people from different walks of life coming from all across the board, you know, and some people were, uh, you know, totally distraught. And, and, and you had to try and console people. And I know all the family as well, like, it, it, it was just overpowering and overwhelming. The whole thing was really truly. Fina Gale, Councillor Comer Curley, who was a colleague of Detective Garda Jerry McCabe's. And, of course, then outside in the, the Holy Rosary then was the, where the Mass was. And then it was very difficult to to uh, keep an orderly crowd there as well. You know, I, I remember um, one man that was left outside. I'd always remember it, actually, because he behaved so well on the, on the occasion. Was And he was a great friend of Jerry's. And um, uh, Brendan Grace was left outside. You know, he didn't get into the church. And I felt after he was tra- travelling down from Dublin at the time, I thought it was, it was a kind of harsh, you know. So we, we kind of... We engineered a way of getting him in anyway, and he was very grateful. You know, but uh, you know, there were massive crowds there. Needless to say, it was totally. Oh, I'll never forget. I'll never forget it. You know, the whole thing was incredible. Like it was still in your minds. Like here was your one of your best pals gone, and another one of them kind of fighting for his life in hospital. We all remember. We said the the funeral on the ninth of June. And where 20,000 people queued in Limerick and Thompson's funeral home and where the sympathy of the Irish nation were with the McCabe family and also with the prayers or with, the, you know, we say for, for Ben O'Sullivan for a speedy recovery. And I suppose people, we say, come to light, it was two years after before people were brought to trial over that particular act. And people were very, we say, we say, annoyed as far as we say of what had happened and why it happened I think that's what no one could understand you know Jerry McCabe he was killed in duty it was the first guard to to die since 1985 the 13th member of the force to die on behalf of and we should always remember that what work did the guard of Shikana do on our behalf they're the only we say real custodians of peace in our country and only for them and it's only when something tragic like this happened we fully realise we say when they go out on a normal tour of duty in the morning whether it is delivery of funds to pay old age pensioners they're protecting the rights of the people Johnny was a very easygoing affable type of uh, type of guy and um you know, he was um, he was quiet, but uh, he, he was very shrewd and astute 
uh, Detective Guard. He was here in the city for many, many years, had built up a, a huge local knowledge, knew a lot of people, had a lot of contacts. And indeed, that store of information he had was certainly used on more than one occasion during major investigations here where we would go to the likes of Jeremy McCabe and other senior uh, guardy here in the city, uh, you know, to, to help maybe bring the perpetrators to justice. So Jory was that. He was a very shrewd and astute individual, uh, but also very quiet and affable type of guy. And that's the way I remember Jory. Jerry was a very straight, fun-loving guy, uh, great fun, uh, great character, um, very good Garda. He was always very helpful and courteous to, to me particularly uh, and to the media in general. He was always very helpful um, and he worked on major events and he was always shadowing the senior politicians, be it the Taoiseach visiting the city or during the election campaigns or if there were any VIPs in town such as there were in Adair, funnily enough, not too long before that at the British-Irish Interparliamentary Party meeting, which was held in, in the Adair Manor and Jerry and Ben were both there. But because they knew me and some of the local photographers, there was never any pressure on us about taking photographs. They, 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 they knew who we were and um, they always made, made, made it easy for us to work. I, I find it difficult to go to retirement parties, you know, because Jerry would have been very involved in them. I went to, it's just the one that sticks out in my mind was Ben's retirement party because that should have been Jerry's as well. And as a family, it was a disaster for us. Lovely for Ben and thank God he was alive to celebrate it with his family and friends. But um, it was a total disaster for us. So that way I don't go to as many as I should go. I can always remember the last thing that Jerry said to me. Would you believe it? I can remember distinctly. And it, how it came about was that you know, Jerry was fond of the golf too, and, you know, and a week before he was slaughtered, um, there was a Garda Golf Society competition on out in, in um, Benikistine. And it was like the weather is at the moment now, so wet and miserable, like, you know, and, and um, on the Monday morning, just before he was killed, uh, I set out to go there and I was deciding whether it was against my better judgment or what. It was such a miserable day. I said, I'm not going to, to enjoy this at all, you know. So, but I decided to go because I hate missing, I used to hate missing any of them. And um, the following morning, anyway, when I came in, having been drenched and miserable outside in Benny Kistine, I met Jerry in the morning, nine o'clock, and he coming out the door of Henry Street. And uh, he was going off on a mission, uh, on an escort. And he said, I saw you. He said to me, what do you mean you saw me? I saw you as you whizzed by, he said. You were on your way out to Benny Kistine. I said, I was on my way out too. But I thought it was so miserable, I decided to wheel into McGrath's for a cup of tea. He said, and I was just parking my car when I saw you whizzing by. He says, and in my case, he said, sanity prevailed. And I always remember those words. In my case, he said, Sanity prevailed. It's hard to believe it's 10 years. Um, I did some pictures recently with Anne uh, at the grave, Jerry, who was actually buried quite close to where my mother is. There's only a few graves apart. And uh, she, she, I was talking to Anne and she herself can't believe it's like 10 years. It's, it's just flown by. It's just amazing. I'll always remember it. I mean, I remember the phone call, jumping out of bed getting into the car and heading straight out to Adair. And then the image of Jerry 
or dirty as it was, I was told, covered in the blanket, you know, the bloodstained blanket, the, the shattered windscreen of the car and the bullet holes. I even remember the wipers were still in motion at that stage. I mean, they, they, those images would just stick with you forever. It's, a, it's something that you just couldn't forget. It's fairly foremost in all our minds, even even over the last number of years, because, as you know, um, th- there has been a trial process and uh, the criminal uh, proceedings process. So it has been ongoing over the last number of years for us certainly here working in the station. But certainly, I suppose, the 10th anniversary is, is probably a landmark anniversary as well. Every year, I suppose, is, is a landmark, but certainly the 10th. And, uh, you know, looking back, it's, it's only like yesterday, really, that it happened. Uh, but it's 10 years ago. And um, uh, certainly, I suppose, as you're aware, and we won't go into it here now, that investigation is still ongoing. There are still a number of people that we have to uh, uh, to interview in relation to that investigation. So for us, it hasn't it hasn't finished. It's 10 years now, and it still is as raw as ever it was because of the way things went after that when the court case started and all the rest of it. But I, I have couldn't say enough about all the people of Limerick and people all over Ireland that uh, contacted me and there isn't a day goes by that I don't meet somebody on the street and uh, it was a hard thing to have to do I didn't envisage myself being in this position in 10 years 10 years on but uh, for all the wrong reasons I am in this position Limerick Lives a series of special documentaries examining issues affecting the people of Limerick city and county